What is going on, everybody? Welcome into the Overreaction Sports Podcast. I am your host, Joe Miller, and this is an Overreaction Friday. It is so good to have you guys with me. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. My name, again, is Joe Miller, and you can find me at Joe Miller Wired on Twitter. That handle, again, at Joe Miller Wired. And how are we feeling? How are we feeling today, Bills Mafia, Bills Nation? Are you over it yet? Are you are you are are you past uh, what we saw on Sunday last Sunday against the Browns when we, in my opinion, threw away, didn't take advantage of an opportunity that I feel was right in front of us. There there was a team, is a team, if you will, the Cleveland Browns that have an amazing amount of talent on their on their football team uh, up and down the roster. We had every opportunity, in my opinion. We had every chance to not only win that game, to, but but to put that game away. I've seen a lot of different opinions on Twitter and just around social media and on, you know, what I would what I would call, you know, uh, the news stations, uh, whether it's Good Morning Football and different places like that, that that literally believed, felt that the Bills had they done things a, a little bit differently, probably could have won that game by two touchdowns, and frankly. I'm, that's where I'm at. I'm in the same boat. I, I, I'm I'm in the same position that you are if you feel that way. And I know from from being on social media this week and being around Twitter that a lot of you don't feel that way. There is a large, loud portion of our fan base right now that is, frankly, hanging Josh Allen out to dry and driving the bus over him and backing it up and driving the bus over him again. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I tweeted the other day and it's gotten a lot of likes and a lot of comments to it that I hate Twitter right now. I hate, I hate Bill's Twitter right now. And as much as I hate Bill's Twitter right now and I hate the stuff that I'm seeing, my God, I joined the Bill's Mafia Facebook page. What? A freaking dumpster fire that place is. Good Lord. Youth, I thought back in the day, there were times when the Bills, the Bills message board, like the 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 the, the, the like the legit Buffalo Bills message, the BBMB from from back in the day was a bunch of whining, immature, unintelligent, ignorant crybabies. Which in the end is what got that site taken down, and the Bills basically walked away from it and pulled the plug. Good Lord, if you are on the Buffalo Bills, I should say that the the Bills Mafia, it's not associated with the Buffalo Bills in the sense of it's not an officially run board, but if you're on that Facebook page, and I know a lot of you are, I, I, I might be getting off it soon. It's just awful. Like, it's awful. But I, I just, I'm just not a fan of what I'm seeing. I'm not a fan of what I'm reading. I'm not a fan of what I'm hearing. And it, and it speaks to, in my opinion, how conditioned we are as a fan base. Well, what do you mean, Joe? What do you mean how conditioned we are? You know what I mean even before I say this. We are conditioned as a fan base to it. just wait for and expect the wheels to completely fall off. And it's it's actually gone from our beloved Buffalo Bills and moved into our one Buffalo teammates, fan base mates, organizational mates, the Buffalo Sabres. They're now doing it as well. When we look back to what we saw last year with the Sabres winning 10 games in a row and then basically not making the playoffs. The Sabres came out of the box hot this year and are not playing so well now. We've seen it with the Buffalo Bills, 5-1, and 4-0, and oh, not make the playoffs. I think, this, I think this reaction, this knee-jerk, this craziness that we're experiencing is a conditioning that we have as a fan base to expect the worst. And I can't necessarily blame you for expecting the worst and, and waiting for the wheels to come off. Because in the back of my mind, I'm waiting for it too. But I have hope that this year is different. I have hope that 
what I'm seeing from this organization, what I'm seeing from this leadership, and by leadership I mean the Pagulas, Brandon Bean, and Sean McDermott. I, I, any faith I had or was giving to Leslie Frazier and Brian Dable, I'm definitely in a show-me-bro situation with them. Show me, bro. You had me at hello. A lot of great stuff was going on coming out of the gate. Defense was killing it. Josh Allen was progressing. And now we're looking at, what, four games, five games in a row of the same photocopied facsimile of garbage on the football field that we've seen with a lot of coach speak. A lot of coach speak. We got in the room together. We talked about it. We were open. We're going to fix it. Yeah, I think we know what the problem is. Yep. Yeah, we're just not executing. There's that word, execute. We're just not executing. We suck it all up. We want to hope for the best. In the back of our minds, we're expecting the worst. And I can't make you temper your expectations. I can't make you begin to think straight. And I can't make you not see things that upset you. So if you, like me, are... You haven't thrown in the towel at this point. You're not ready to run Josh Allen out of town. If you're still wholly on the bandwagon, which I am, I can't put you in a position to where you don't see this stuff. The only thing you can possibly do is delete Twitter from your from your phone or not get on it from your computer. I, I Most of my Twitter perusing happens on my laptop. Conversely, if you are one of the people that I'm not particularly in love with right now and frankly ready to mute all of you, if you're one of those people, that it just ain't good enough. And I'm going to say it this way. Let's just be honest, whoever you are. It's never going to be good enough for you. Never. It's never been good enough. It never will be good enough. And I know the Bills have historically been bad. I'm old enough to remember when the Bills were good. I'm also old enough to remember when the Bills were good going to four straight Super Bowls, this fan base. A lot of people, not everybody, but there was a decent population of this fan base that didn't like Jim Kelly. Thought that we would be better if Frank Reich was the full-time quarterback, starter. Doesn't this sound familiar? So there's a number of you that are just never going to be happy. And I got nothing for you guys either. I, on the other hand, want to get excited. And the funny thing is, is I woke up this morning and had a little bit of it, a little bit of it last night too, looking forward to this Miami football game. The Bills are six and three, and they've put some stuff on film that we don't like. But I woke up this morning looking forward to this football game this weekend, excited about Bills football and what could be. We're six and three. We could be seven and three after this Sunday. And then I started putting together my show notes. And I want to tell you that whatever feelings that I had that began to wane didn't wane because of Josh Allen. And they didn't wane because the Bills lost to the Browns. They waned because this fan base is insufferable. Get a grip on reality, people. The Bills are 6-3. and three. This season is not over. And when it's time to call it, I'll call it. I think I've shown you guys that much at least since this podcast started. I'll call it out if it needs to be called out. But if we don't need to worry about it, let's not worry about it. And that's where we're, we're at right now. Let's not worry about missing the playoffs. Let's not worry about drafting another quarterback. Literally, that's where some of you are. And if that's where you are, don't watch the games. Why are you torturing yourselves? Just stop. Will the Bills draft another quarterback this offseason? I don't know. 
If they do, it's not an indictment on Josh Allen necessarily. At least we can't say that it is until this season has ended. I think the Buffalo Bills are pretty happy with where they're at with quarterback Matt Barkley and Josh Allen. I don't think, I don't see a world, a scenario. I see nothing that tells me that Josh Allen doesn't get another entire year as the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback next year. And frankly, he deserves it. We knew what he was when he got here. And again, I'll say it on the air for the world to hear. I was not one of the ones that wanted Josh Allen as our quarterback. I was an idiot. I knew we couldn't get Baker Mayfield. I knew we couldn't get Sam Darnold. I wanted Josh Rosen. I've said this before too. Thank you, God, Josh Rosen is not our quarterback. And frankly, I didn't know what to think of Lamar Jackson. And hindsight is always twenty twenty, And we're still living in a world where Josh Allen is outplaying Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. So he's outperforming the people that were taken in front of him. And there's one guy behind him that is outperforming everybody right now in Lamar Jackson. But they're also game planning and playing football to his strengths, which is not what the Bills are doing currently, nor have done. But if you were raging against Josh Allen, I just don't know what to tell you. We've had conversations on this podcast before. Josh Allen, I've told you, is not a complete player. He will not be, even remotely close, in my opinion, an identifiable, know-what-he-is guy until probably middle of next season. We knew he was a project coming in, a big project. He played two years of junior college. He played two years of NCAA Division I football at Wyoming. And let's be honest, he's erratic at times. He's been playing on a leash. We'll get to that in a second. He wants to go out there and play backyard football. But he's been told... Because of us, the fan base, through several games early in the season, to stop making mistakes. So then he goes out there and tries to play football where he's not trying to make mistakes. And he doesn't even look like a guy that the guy that we drafted anymore. And now our head coach is telling him play fearless. I'd be confused too if I was Josh Allen. But if if you are a Josh Allen hater, if you are a trasher of all things Josh Allen, and there is nothing that is ever going to change your mind, and we'll get into some of those things because the list is very long of things that you just need to see from, if he would just do this, if he would just stop doing that, I would change my mind, and you didn't. And I said a couple weeks ago I was going to stop being a Josh Allen apologist. I was going to stop trying to convince people to give him time and give him rope. But here we are. Here we are. I got nothing for you. Take up another hobby. Go knit something. It's hunting season. Buy a gun. Buy a bow. Shoot a turkey. Shoot a deer. I don't know what to tell you. Stop watching football or watch somebody else play football. If you are a person who is comparing Josh Allen to Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson's progression as a quarterback in the NFL, you might have some valid arguments. However, you need to consider that it's not apples to oranges. And if you are a person who is comparing Josh Allen to the progression of Patrick Mahomes, who's been in the league longer, Deshaun Watson, who's been in the league longer, or anybody else that's been in the league longer, you're delusional. 
And just as much as I don't want to hear people tell me that Josh Allen looks like Brett Favre, I don't want to hear people compare him to Patrick Mahomes or to Sean Watson. Because Josh Allen is Josh Allen, and we don't really know who he is yet. So find another hobby. Stop blowing up my my timeline. Stop making everybody else around you just as sour and crappy as you are. The Bills are six and three. Six and three. Six and three. That's the reality of the situation. I want to transition. I want to talk about real quick. Every every Friday podcast, I talk about the story of last week's game. And I, and I surmise the whole game down to one scenario. Maybe there's a subplot. Um, Sunday for me was about this. And it's going to be really interesting for me to look at uh, this Sunday's game, the Miami game coming in with, with us going to Miami, what the Bills do. Because I kind of touched on it on Sunday, on last Sunday's show after the Browns game. But to me, this game boiled down to this. The Buffalo Bills had two two-minute drives in that football game last week. In neither one of those drives were they, in my opinion, and I think the tape proves it, seriously trying to score a touchdown. The first two-minute drive, they got into field goal range, dicked around a little bit, threw some balls to kind of get a feel are the Browns going to let up? Are they going to, you know, is there going to be room? But we're going to be safe. The points are in range. They trot Hauschka out there. And I'm not going to get into Hauschka and his comments, but about not feeling right, whatever that freaking means. It sounds like an excuse. But they trot him out there for a 34-yard field goal. He misses it. Second half. McDermott's own words. Josh Allen's own words tell you what the intention was in the second half at the end of the game. They were not trying to score a touchdown. They were trying to be safe. They were trying to get to the 30, the 32. They were going for extra time. They believed, Sean McDermott believed, by his own admission, whether or not he's backstepped now, which he has, whether or not he has said in the past, we got to score points, By his own admission, he said, we were trying to get to extra time because he believes that his defense believed that his defense with Levi Wallace playing cornerback was going to stop them after what he just saw them do. Keeping in mind, everybody who can hear me, that Josh Allen walked off that field with a four-point lead. Had to go back out there. Had to do it again. So they got into what should be field goal range for Steven Hauschka, 50, what is it, three yards, 54 yards, he missed it again. And if you don't believe me, go rewatch the scenario or rewind your memory banks back to the Washington Redskins game. We talked about it. The Bills were driving the football towards the end of the game. It was the fourth quarter. It's third and eight from field goal range. They're on at the time, the right hash. Third and eight, they call a delay play, a delay run to Devin Singletary, who runs the ball to the left hash. Doesn't get it on third down. They were playing for a field goal there too. Thank God the Redskins committed a penalty and we got a first down out of it and we ended up eventually going back down or, or finishing that drive, whatever it was, the extra 30 yards, scoring a touchdown and winning. The question everybody should be asking themselves right now is why in the world is our coach telling us we're not scoring enough points? Why is he saying in the media, we need to score more points? We need to score more touchdowns. We need to score more points. When they are showing us that when it matters, when it's most important, they don't have a killer instinct. And it's not Josh Allen. Well, maybe they're trying to protect the game from Josh Allen. I don't know. Maybe they are. Maybe they're afraid. He's going to make that bad throw. Did you watch the Monday night game? Russell Wilson threw an awful interception in overtime, driving the field inside the red zone. The guy that everybody is clamoring to be the MVP of this season put that game at risk. 
If you don't know this by now from watching football, quarterbacks throw interceptions. Running backs fumble. Receivers drop balls. That's what happens. Cornerbacks, Levi Wallace, get beat. They have been playing safe football. The story of that Browns game for me are those two two-minute drills of which they did not make real attempts to put the ball in the end zone and put that, put that game away. That's why we lost, in my opinion. I know it's a team sport. I know there's a lot of things that go into it. I know that they would say that for every good play, every bad play, there's another good play and another bad play and you know penalties and the refs, and there were some bad calls in that game. I admit it. There's the one run that Chubb takes the ball. I was watching it this morning on Good Morning Football, and, and Nick Chubb takes the ball down. He's running towards the, the left side of the field, takes it all the way down to the one-yard line, and there's blatant holding on the offensive line that doesn't get called. <clears throat> so I get it. But that, to me, is the story of that football game. Not being aggressive, not having the killer instinct not doing the things that Bill Belichick does, that Andy Reid does. When they have their opponents on their back, choking them out. Sean McDermott doesn't do that. So he says that we need to score more points. Frazier says, (laughs) we think we know what's wrong with this defense, why people are running on us. Four games in a row, five games in a row still hasn't been fixed. Dable says we're not executing. We're going to go back to work. We're going to get it fixed. We're going to get it right. We've seen the same exact offense all season, but five weeks in a row. And he's clearly not game planning against his opponent's weaknesses. I think the the, the best thing to come of all of this right now, and I'm not big on modern vernacular, But this staff right now is woke. They are aware of the the crap that they've been feeding us. And they are now being called out on that crap and they're upset. And this to me is the moment. This is a defining moment for Sean McDermott. Because I said this on Sunday. I believe Sean McDermott is a leader. I believe that he's a man of integrity. I believe that he's a man of honesty. I I believe he's a uniter of men. I think he is the right man for this job. However, culture is easy when there's no adversity. Culture is easy when you're not losing. When things are going well, when it's the off season and it's bonding time and it's work time and the bar is set and everybody's pushing and everybody's holding each other other accountable as it pertains to how we're working out or how we're studying or how we're doing certain things. Culture is super, super easy when there's no adversity. But when adversity comes, culture requires accountability. I've told you guys in the past that I'm a student of leadership, that I love leadership, that I, my favorite thing about my job, the fa- my favorite thing to do in life is, develop, to, is to develop people and develop leaders. And I can tell you assuredly that leadership development does not stop at telling people how good they are at things. Leadership development does not stop at setting a standard. Leadership development does not stop by being nice to people. Leadership development begins when adversity comes, when accountability comes, because the leader is the guy that has to go into people's offices and tell them, Enough is enough. The leader is the guy that sets sets the expectations. What we're going to be this year. What we're going to do this year. Yes, the employee gets a say. But all of these ideas and thoughts that we have from corporate America. In corporate America, as much as we have managers and bosses and supervisors and CEOs and executives. Corporate America, and I spent a long time in corporate America. They don't know a freaking thing about leadership. The majority of management, supervisor, CEO, executive type people in corporations are nothing more than what is called a positional leader. They're the boss because they have a title. You've all seen it. You all work with it every single day. Nobody respects the guy. Nobody likes the guy. Everybody feels like they can do the job better than him. 
everybody on the team or everybody, you know, on your, on your team or everybody that works for the guy. He doesn't invest in anybody. He doesn't help anybody. He doesn't develop anybody. He doesn't correct anybody. He gets a little snarky and upset when things, you know, when we don't hit our numbers or when something goes wrong and passive aggressively makes a comment to somebody which pisses everybody off. But he's not a leader. That's not a leader. Just because you have a title doesn't make you a leader. I believe Sean McDermott is a leader. I believe that there has been open conversation, communication, and expectation set, not only for his staff, but also for these players, for this team. I believe that Sean loves his staff. I believe that Sean loves his players. I believe this staff loves the players as well. I believe these players love each other. That is a big part of culture. And we've heard it. We've heard how tight-knit this locker room is, how everybody loves it. Josh came out and said it yesterday, or no, Wednesday, in his presser, how much these guys love each other and how much they'll fight for each other. All of that stuff is important to culture, but culture is worthless if there is no accountability. And accountability is when the leader, when the person in charge gets involved and says, or I should say reminds everybody of what our expectations are or were, this is where the bar is. And then tells everybody we're not good enough. So whatever it is that we've been doing, however we've been going about it, it's time to make changes. Changes don't necessarily mean that people get fired. Changes don't necessarily mean that guys get cut. Changes mean that we adapt to whatever it is or from whatever it is we've been doing and we meet the expectations that have been set before us or we have a very difficult conversation in which that conversation includes us saying, sorry, we can't meet that expectation. And then we have to make real changes. And the reason that I'm bringing all of this up, because I know what you're thinking in the back of your mind, you're thinking to yourself, but Joe, this is what they do all day long. They get together, they plan, they meet, they make changes, they hold each other, everybody accountable. And I would just ask you, are you sure? Are you sure that that's what they do in practice? Not in practice, like during practice, in practice, meaning this is what they do as they work. This is something that they do often. Because I've watched the same football team in the last five weeks trotted out on football fields, the same team that lost two of the last three football games that, in my opinion, were winnable football games. I'm watching the same things over and over and over again, which tells me that even if the conversations are being had, people are not being held accountable to not following through with the expectation that was given to them or that they at least agreed to. Do you honestly think that things are, people are being held accountable there? Because Sean McDermott at this point in his pressers, is he's at the point where he's upset and frustrated at the questions he's getting. I don't know what questions he's, he's expecting. And I'm not a big fan of our media. I mean, I've got a tweet here from, uh, the, from, from, this, from this past week from Stephen Salerno at uh, Salerno Steve. And he says, and this is the honest to God truth, WGR. So our flagship radio station here in Buffalo, New York. Tell the fans, this is what they tell the fans. Give Allen a few years. He's going to be a project. We've all heard that from WGR, right? Also WGR. Allen has no wide receivers, the worst offensive line. He needs some help. So give Allen. So the first thing they tell us, and this, they did this this week, by the way. Josh Allen is a project. Josh Allen needs help. And then the third one. Also from WGR, I've seen enough of Allen. He's garbage. That's, that's, that's our flagship radio station. So these guys, these media types that have access, and I'll be honest with you, I have no desire to ever get a press pass. I, I'm not a journalist. I don't want to be a journalist. I have no desire to be a journalist. None whatsoever. It's hard enough for me to sit down and write my notes for this show, let alone like write I don't know, columns and stuff. But traditionally, I've seen, and there was a big blow up over something Jerry Sullivan asked the coach and people were this and people were mad and some radio types and different journalist types were kind of defending him and, you know, whatever, blah. 
my my understanding, and I'm going somewhere with all of this. My understanding, or at least what I've seen in the past from 20 years of watching garbage football come out of this franchise, is you've got Jerry Sullivan types, Mike Shope types, and all these guys that that basically trash this team. And, and all the old guys, the old guard, the Tim Grahams, and all the old guard that, that left the Buffalo News, they trash this team, the coaches, the players, and everybody else during the week. And then they get them on their radio shows, and it's like, hey, coach, how are you today? How are things down there at One, Bill Drive, One Bill's Drive, like they're friends? I, I, I watch them, in, or I hear them in these press conferences after football games and on Wednesdays, and they don't ask real questions. Well, finally, a real question got asked. And it was a ridiculous question because Sully was comparing Josh to Tyrod Taylor. But these questions are coming to, to Sean McDermott now, which they should be. Thank God they're fine. People are finally asking real questions. And Sean's getting a little bit chippy. So I'm excited to see all of that to say this. I'm excited to see what we get this Sunday from this football team. Because there's other messages being sent. And you know what message I'm talking about. I'm confused a little bit by this message. Josh Allen comes to his presser on Wednesday, says, Coach got us together. Sean McDermott, Coach got us together. The offense. Hey, guys, I don't want you to play scared. Well, that's interesting. Why are they playing scared? Because I highly doubt that Josh Allen was, (laughs) I don't know how I want to say it. There's video replays that you can watch of Brian Dable completely yelling at Josh Allen after throwing hero balls on the, you know, they're on the sideline after he's thrown interceptions. Why is Josh Allen playing safe? I highly doubt that that's something that he's doing to himself. He's getting that. Somebody somewhere is telling him to not throw interceptions. Somewhere somebody's telling him to play safe. Somewhere somebody's telling him to be more careful with the football. Somebody somewhere is putting a leash on him. Now all of a sudden the head coach is coming out and saying, the head coach, not his offensive coordinator, the head coach, don't play scared football. Don't get me wrong. I love it. I want that's yes. Don't play scared football. Give me the Josh Allen of last year. And I'll be honest with you. I'm one of the ones that didn't want him running so much. And if we're in a position where he needs to run like Lamar Jackson is running to kind of open up his game and feel the flow and kind of feel what's going on in the game, then I guess let him run. But I don't want to see him play scared football. But there's something inside of the mix of all this stuff that we're never going to know unless we see it on the football field. And that comes back to what we were just talking about, which is who's holding people accountable. It's I know that it's Sean McDermott's job. Is he doing it? I don't know. I hope so. Because great leaders, if you've ever had a great leader, a great leader is not somebody that just lets you go do whatever you want to do. A great leader is somebody that made you better. A great leader is somebody that made you better. And chances are, there was a lot of times when you didn't like him as a leader because he was on you. He was reminding you of the expectation. He was letting you know what your job was. But he was also giving you room to meet those expectations. And he was challenging you to be better encouraging you along the way, showing you, showing, you, showing you your mistakes. A good leader makes people better. I need to see better on this Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. I think you need to see better this Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. We all need to see better. If we see more of the same this Sunday against the Dolphins, which means Josh Allen playing very reserved, the game plan not making any sense, the defense allowing, and Mark Walton's not playing, but the defense allowing, you know, a huge runs from whoever's playing running back for this team this Sunday, gashing us up straight up straight up the middle. If we see the same stuff, even if the Bills win, we see the same stuff this weekend, buckle up because it's going to get ugly. And my God, if the Bills lose this football game, woof. 
Woof. The city might burn if the Bills lose this football game. So that which is which poses an interesting question for all of us. Is this game a must-win game? Do you feel that this game, this Miami Dolphins game, is a must-win game? If the Bills lose, do they still have a chance at six and four to make the playoffs? I will I will go on record and tell you this. If the Bill I think the Bills are going to make the playoffs. Although the AFC is not wide open, which we talked about weeks ago that it was. All the teams that were flailing have 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 found themselves and are catching up to the Bills. The AFC is not wide open. I think the Bills can make the playoffs. However, if the Bills lose this football game, more importantly, how they lose this football game, and, and my guess is, is if they lose to the Miami Dolphins this Sunday, it's going to look a lot like the last Miami Dolphins game. It's going to look like the Eagles game. It's going to look like the Redskins game. It's going to look like the last Browns game, which means that there is no accountability. Nobody is holding the expectations. Nobody, The bar has been set, but nobody's holding people to the bar. My guess is if they lose this game in a, res, a fashion that resembles what we've seen this year so far, the season is over for the Bills. And people might be getting fired either before the end of the season or absolutely when the season's over. And I don't necessarily want to see people get fired. I want to see people get better. I want to see people get better. So, yes, that's a little bit of a rant. And I don't rant a whole lot, but that's kind of where I'm at emotionally. I do want to talk about a couple things that I'm over. A couple things that I'm done thinking about as it pertains to just stuff. And one of the things that I'm over already is I'm over the Tyrod Taylor comparisons. Two seconds. Throat's dry. Sorry. I'm over the Tyrod Taylor comparisons. Over them. I can't, I can't, I can't get there. I can't do it. Spare me the Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor comparisons. Comparisons. Statistics mean something until they don't. Did you hear what I just said? Statistics mean something until they don't. Well, Joe, the only thing we have to go on are statistics. Statistics tell the story. No, statistics tell a story. They don't tell the story. Statistics can give you a clue to a problem or a clue to success, but they don't tell you what the problem is. And they don't tell you what success is. Statistics mean something until they don't mean anything anymore. Let me give you some examples. Josh Allen throws too many interceptions. Not anymore. I don't see any of you that were complaining about all the interceptions that Josh Allen was throwing. Super excited with Josh Allen now that he's not. And if we're honest for a second, the offense doesn't look any better now that Josh Josh Allen is not throwing interceptions. It kind of almost looks worse. How about this one? Josh Allen has not completed a ball that has traveled in the air over 20 yards. That was the story. That was the the statistic that we were being fed right up until last week. And then he completed a ball that flew in the air, 21 yards. And guess what happened this week? Josh Allen has not completed a pass that has traveled 30 yards in the air. Statistics mean nothing, or mean something rather, until they don't. The Bills' rush defense is number three in the NFL. And then they give up 218 yards to the Philadelphia Eagles after the Dolphins wrote a book on how to beat the defense. Tyrod's last 20 games are almost identical to Josh Allen's first 20 games, which, by the way, is the most loaded argument. (laughs) God bless Jerry Sullivan. Because, and this this is the way that people have been fighting against it. And it's absolutely true. So you're telling me that a dude dude that is a seven-year NFL player, a guy that's been in the pros for seven years, his last 20 games has relevancy, the way that he played the last 20, has relevancy to a project rookie quarterback who came from a, a, a program in Wyoming with two years of JUCO experience. That, that that's a relevant argument that that's apples to apples. If you're doing anything at that point, you were proving that Tyrod Taylor was an awful quarterback or is because he's still in the NFL, an awful quarterback. 
That is not saying anything about Josh Allen other than, hey, Josh Allen reached Tyrod Taylor's ceiling in 20 games. What Tyrod was giving us as a seven-year veteran, Josh Allen has given us as a a one-and-a-half-year veteran who's only played 20 games. So I'm over the Tyrod Taylor comparisons and statistics and like whatever you want to bring to the table about how Tyrod is better or the same as Josh and we didn't upgrade or we didn't improve, whatever that garbage is, stow it. I'm done with it. I don't need it anymore. Like, I'm over that. You know what else I'm over? Levi Wallace. The Bills got to do something. I know that EJ Gaines is healthy now. Taron Johnson, put somebody else out there. Give the kids some help. And I know what happened. We talked about the way to beat, to beat the Browns last week was to stack the box and make Baker Mayfield throw on him. Well, that's kind of what they did. Nick Chubb still ran on us, but Baker threw, and he threw a lot at Levi Wallace. And Levi Wallace got beat a lot, a whole lot. You know what else I'm over? I'm over the way that we use Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley is getting a lot of slack from people on Twitter and has so far this year. But I don't think it, whatever's going on with Cole Beasley is Cole Beasley's fault. And the, the interesting thing is they used Cole Beasley against the Browns a little bit different than what we've seen them use him like through the season so far. And the ways that we've seen them use Cole Beasley from the preseason into the first however many games of the season has been in a quick rhythm passing game. But they only use that quick rhythm passing game that's super effective, the identity, in my opinion, that they should be. They only use it when they're down. When they need to get a score, like right away. Otherwise, they're doing this weird, crazy, I don't know what it is, like long developing big chunk yardage plays and we're not going to run the ball. Josh is going to throw it 40 times. I don't know what it is with like seven deep ball passes. That's an exaggeration, I know. But I'm over the way that we're using Cole Beasley. In my opinion, this offense should almost be going through, obviously, the running back first, primarily, and very close secondarily, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley should be using, or should be used, exactly the way that Wes Welker was, exactly the way that Julian Edelman is. I hate playing the Patriots right now, not because of Tom Brady. I hate playing the Patriots because we can't stop Julian Edelman. Edelman. Cole Beasley averaged 3.8 yards of separation in the game against the Browns. Why are they not throwing him the ball 15 times in a game and making that up? Is it because, no, 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 we can't like do six yards per play or 10 yards. We need to get 20 yards per play. Like what? I don't, I'm over it. Run, run an offense that works. There's, there's opportunity there. We have the right guys. No, we don't have a six foot four, uh, you know, unbelievable Julio Jones type wide receiver, number one guy, but John Brown is efficient and good. He's having the year of his life. He's going to, he's going to post career catches and career yards this way with Josh Allen as his quarterback, who all of you want to replace. Not all of you, a lot of you want to replace. He's good enough out there on the outside. You run this offense through Devin Singletary and then Cole Beasley is the second primary pass offense through Cole Beasley, and I think the dynamic and the identity of this offense starts to show itself. So I am over the misuse, what I would call the misuse of Cole Beasley. And then the last thing that I have for you guys today is I don't know, and and you know what, I'm way over time, 44 minutes. And as much as I've told you guys in the past that I'm I'm done defending Josh Allen, I want to ask you guys this question. What do you need to see? And this goes for everybody. Because I know that in moments we all have doubts. Josh Allen is not a complete player. So we're all looking to see, from, from, from those of us that, that are the biggest Josh Allen backers to the people that, that were not on the ship and never on the ship and were, were basically have been slamming him since the day he got here. We can all ask ourselves this question. What do you need to see from Josh Allen to, to, to put you in a position to get off his back. Some of you are going to say nothing. There's nothing he can do. He will never win me over. There's nothing, Joe. I hate the guy. I hate the way he plays football. I hate the fact that he played at Wyoming. I hate the fact that he's not Baker Mayfield. I hate the fact that he's not Pat Mahomes. The Bills could have had Pat Mahomes. I hate him. Nothing, nothing. All it does is speak to the ineptitude of this organization. 
I would just challenge you for a minute because I want, I've got a list of stuff here and this is the end of the show today. What is it going to take for you to get off of his back for 10 minutes and let the kid continue to grow? Because the goalposts for this kid keep moving. Yes, you are the ones moving the goalposts. I am the one moving the goalposts. We keep moving the goalposts on him. And the goalposts are not wins and losses. Because the kid has won more than he's lost. And oh, by the way, it's not good enough for some of us. So it started out with his completion percentage. He's got to get that completion percentage fixed. If he otherwise, he'll never be a great quarterback in the NFL. And I don't even know if he can, com, you know, get that completion percentage fixed. The PFF PFF guys are all over Josh Allen. Like he'll never, you know, he can't get it fixed. And like this is who he is, and blah blah blah. Bulldog on on WGR fifty five says that Josh Allen will never be a sixty percent guy. I don't, you know, this is what you get. Settle in because for the next ten years, this is the guy that you're going to get. He'll never be that Jared Goff sixty percent guy. Well, he is, and now that he is. And his completion percentage is much better. It's not good enough. Well, he has to fix his short to interim passing game. Like if he gets a short to interim passing game fixed, then, you know, then, then maybe I'll start to believe in Josh Allen. He fixed it. People still don't believe in him. Well, he needs to run less. If he just runs the football less and starts playing, staying in the pocket and, and not thinking about running first, then, then maybe I'll start believing in him. He runs less than he did last year. For some of us, he's running too much this year too, but he's still running less. Well, he doesn't go through his progressions. He's he's way too raw, and he'll never be that guy that goes through his progressions and like gets to his second and third read. You're wrong. He does that too. It was proven this week by, by the cover one guys and the yards per pass dude. He doesn't throw with anticipation. If he would just throw with anticipation, then maybe he you know could develop into a, a real quarterback, but he's never going to throw with anticipation, so we just we should just move on now. Also wrong. There was the one play in the Browns game, specifically where they were looking right into his eyes. And the ball came out of his hands before the receiver turned around. He needs to throw less interceptions. He's just throwing way too many interceptions. And this is just who Josh Allen is. And if Josh Allen would just quit throwing interceptions, he stopped throwing interceptions. You're not happy. He needs to throw the deep ball and complete the deep ball. He's never thrown the deep ball well. He's never completed the deep ball. His deep ball percentages and blah, blah, blah. If you remember last year, he hit a lot of the guys in the breadbasket with the deep ball. This year, he's been atrocious. It's a monkey on his back. I've said it a hundred times. It's a monkey on his back. But my guess is, is even if he hits a deep ball this week or two, people still won't be happy. I already hit the 20 yards thing. He can't make any passes beyond 20 yards, blah, 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 blah. Well, now he's completed a ball beyond 20 yards. Now it's 30. He needs to fumble less. You're right, he does. The fumbles haven't hurt us, but he definitely, ball security is an issue with this kid. He needs to play mistake-free football. If Josh Allen will just play mistake-free football, I don't know that there's a quarterback in the NFL that's ever going to play mistake-free football. Even Tom Brady makes mistakes. I just got done telling you about 30 minutes ago that Russell Wilson threw a horrible interception in overtime. They still won the game. They're going to make mistakes. But as I let you guys go today, as you're getting prepared to see the Buffalo Bills play the Miami Dolphins in sunny Florida, and I know a lot of people are going to this game. I wish I was too. I had a guy just this week asked me if I was going. He wanted to buy me a beer, and that would have been amazing. But unfortunately, I'm not going down there. I've been I've been to Miami. I went to the, the last Thursday night game that was in Miami, but I didn't. I haven't been there in a while. But as you're going into this football game, I want you to be excited for what you're going to see because I th- I believe with everything in me that Sean McDermott, as I said, is a leader. And I think that he is at the point where he is holding people accountable, the coaching staff accountable, and they're going to start getting this stuff fixed. I think that they have heard not only the fans, but I think that they're, they're hearing the media and the, the crap that they've been feeding us is they're now their feet are being put to the fire. I think we're going to see a different football team this weekend. Will we see a complete game? I don't know. Is this going to be a statement game? I don't think so. I think they're going to win. I'm not going to give you a prediction. However, I want you to go into this game asking yourself, what is it that I need to see from Josh Allen to get me off of his back for 10 minutes and let the kid develop? 
I appreciate you guys listening. This has been an overreaction Friday. You know what? My my listener base is growing. And frankly, it's it's humbling and it's honoring. And I I told you guys already that, you know, I've told you a hundred times that I'm not an X's and O's guy. I'm not a professional at this stuff. I don't know anything about, you know, the science. I, I know enough about football to be dangerous and to be wrong a lot. Um, I love talking about the Bills. I love talking about football. I love talking to you guys. Um, I have no desire to be a journalist. I have no desire to have a press pass. I have no desire to do interviews with football players. That's not what this is about. This is about me just talking to you and interacting with you guys. So thank you so much uh, for listening to me. Uh, This podcast was the longest one yet. um, But I want you to know that if you enjoy what you hear, please tell a friend. Uh, Like I said, my listener base is growing. We're on every single major platform uh, for podcasts, and I want to expand my reach. I want to expand the show. Um, But I just want you to know that if you were listening to my podcast, if 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 you're investing this much time into listening to me ramble, I greatly appreciate it. I can't begin to tell you how thankful I am that you're taking the time to listen to me. But we're all bonded and united by the same thing, which is our love for the Buffalo Bills. And this week, I think the Bills roll into Miami and they win. We improved to seven and three and we're on our way to the playoffs. And I think we're going to see a different football team this weekend. Uh, And that's all that I've got for you guys. Appreciate you guys. This has been an overreaction Friday. Again, my name is Joe Miller. You can find me at Joe Miller Wired on Twitter. That's at Joe Miller Wired. I would advise you to stay off of the Bills Mafia Facebook page because it's awful. Other than that, you guys are tremendous. I appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday after the football game. Go Bills.